Welcome to the Pop on Film. I am Bunny Williams, and with me is. I am the Pope in question. My name is Reverend Steve. I am the founder of the Church of Ed Wood, an actual thing worth a Google. It is episode 404 of the podcast. Yes, yes, little Lebowski Urban Achievers, and proud we are of all of that. Bunny, um, not a lot. I've got a lot about this week's movie. I've got a Big chap uh, with a surprising thesis. You're going to take a really big chap? Uh, yeah, I'm going to take a pretty big chap. And uh, wow, this is just a. Th- this. I like my podcast the way I like my women big, strong, and fully packed. This yes. is a curvaceous episode of the podcast and really excited and also for anyone who might be listening who might be watching this live on the Facey pages there is currently a poll going on right now on my Twitter page which is twitter.com slash reverend Steve and you can vote right now on what movie we should we will be doing next week for the podcast. Uh, there is currently about two, two and a half hours left on the poll. Uh, Mike Myers's film, The Love Guru, was in the lead. And then I was worried for a while that Superman 4 was going to take it. But as of right now, Dungeons and Dragons has pulled into the lead. Yeah. Surprisingly. Uh, so, so that's happening right now. Who knows what will happen? But I am going to be turning off my Twitter and not turning it on until the end of the podcast, where we will uh, reveal what movie it is that we will be doing next week. It might be uh, Dungeons and Dragons, the live action film from, film from the year two thousand. It might be Mike Myers' atrocious The Love Guru. And it might be Superman for the quest for peace, which I don't think I've seen since I was a little child, but we'll see. Yeah. So and I only, and I only saw Dungeons and Dragons once. Uh, I don't think I could see Tom Baker go through that again. I don't think I could watch that. We've, we've uh, gotten about, we've gotten roughly twice the votes. Almost twice the votes that we got last from that we got last week's already. And I, I, I think I'm going Superman four. I mean, at least, at least uh, in Superman four, uh, Ducky is pretty funny. Yes, because Ducky is in it, so that's weird. But uh, yeah, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. There's still time to vote. So go on over to twitter.com slash Reverend Steve and be sure and check that out. So let's start off with this podcast. Yes. It's our civic duty as Americans to try and stay up to date with the news of the day. But see, the problem is it can be difficult to focus on the news of the week when our corrupt former president and his idiotic followers are legitimately trying to stage a coup to regain power. But do not fear, my friends. 
Because the Pope on Film podcast is here to help you with the smaller size nuggets of news that you may have missed with a segment that we like to call the Pope on Film News Smatterings. Yes. Okay, so this first story is a crazy story uh, that I have been telling everyone I know. And uh, a lot of feelings about this, a lot of emotions, but here we go. So a 27-year-old African-American man named Corey is the manager of a Dunkin' Donuts in Tampa, Florida. Okay. And the way that low-paid food service jobs are in in the present day, you know, Positions need to be filled because the fast food industry has gotten away for a very long time with paying people a non-livable wage. Yes. So uh, they were short-staffed at the Dunkin' Donuts. They were having a hard time. Not all of the employees were there. And a 77-year-old white man started complaining that he wasn't getting good service at the drive-thru. And Corey apologized. We're sorry. We're short-staffed. We're having a hard time. We apologize. But the 77-year-old man was enraged that he wasn't getting the excellent service that all boomers demand 24-7. Yes. Yeah. So the angry old man left the drive-thru, parked, and entered the Dunkin' Donuts to complain some more. How dare you not give me 110% of your undivided time and attention and not give me the excellent customer service I demand for my cheap donuts and coffee? Uh, And then the 77-year-old man... Have I said that he's a 77-year-old man? I think I've said that he's a 77-year-old man. He was a 77. Might have come up. Might have come up. One more time. He was 77. Yeah. And he started calling the manager, Corey, the N-word. Oh, okay. Corey said, I dare you to say that again. I dare you. To call me the N-word one more time, I dare you. The 77-year-old man did, and Corey punched the 77-year-old man hard in the jaw. The punch knocked the man unconscious, and he fell to the hard floor head first, and the impact of his head against the floor killed him. Oh! Yeah, that was a turn, wasn't it? Yeah. 27-year-old Corey Puyos has been charged with aggravated manslaughter. And look, um, I'm not advocating murder. No. I am in no way advocating manslaughter. That would be insane. But the 77-year-old man was warned. Yes. He was warned. And he was being a major dick. Yes. And he he was warned. Anyway, the, uh, yeah, he, he's, he's been charged with aggravated manslaughter. And uh, I'm very sorry about that, Corey Puyos. But also, he was 77 years old. Yeah. For 
fake. He was 77. That story is a crazy story. It's a roller coaster. It's a roller coaster of a story. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, yeah. I have a hard time. It's fucking tough enough working at a goddamn Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. And then on top of it, to put up with this guy's shit. You know? Yeah, yeah it's crazy. Okay. So, so I, next- could, I, could see, I, I could see Corey losing it. Like, it seems like an understandable yeah, reaction to me. It absolutely does. But also... Aggravated assault feels like the right charge. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Aggregated, aggravated manslaughter is, that's a lot. Yeah. And it's a fucking Dunkin' Donuts, man. Like, because if you're working at a McDonald's or Burger King instead, okay, all on that same kind of equal level of suckitude. At least at a McDonald's or a Burger King, you got a shot of hiding the body. True. Yeah. You know, I mean, you really can't have a a, a flesh filled crulla. That's you know? why. But you you get him in the back, you get him through the grinder, you make him up into patties. You've saved the company money. You're probably going to get a raise now. The only reason I don't murder people is I don't know anyone that owns a meat pie shop. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Probably because okay, so you don't smell, story. you don't hang around smelly English women enough. Right. This next story is without a doubt a story that I understand on a very deep personal level, and I love this story. And here, you, here it goes. In the beginning of May of this year, a disgruntled U.S. Army trainee snapped. And so he left his army base at Fort Jackson in South Carolina with a rifle. And he started trying to flag down motorists on the I-77 with a rifle, just walking down the freeway with a rifle going, can you pull over, please? I want to take hostage until he got a school bus to stop for him. What? The man named Jovan Calazzo took the bus full of 18 kindergarten students hostage and forced the bus driver at gunpoint to drive him to the next town. No one was hurt. Let me tell you why. The kindergartners started bugging the shit out of him. <laughs> With question after question. Excuse me, mister. Excuse me. Are you a soldier? Why are you doing this? Are you going to hurt us? Are you going to hurt the bus driver? What's your name? Are you married? Do you have any kids? Because I have two brothers and I have a sister. Do you have any pets? What are your pets' names? Hey, mister, I need to go to the bathroom. Hey, mister, hey. And the kindergartners annoyed him so much that he let them all go. I feel that so hard. <laughs> guy with a rifle took a bus full of kindergartners hostage, and the kindergartners annoyed him so much that he gave up. Yes. Oh, my goodness. A story that is shot directly to my heart. 
I never thought I'd say this about a disgruntled U.S. Army trainee who took a bus full of people hostage with a shotgun, but I feel you. Yes. I understand what you are going through. Wow. What an amazing story. Ah, oh, I love that story so much. Finally, someone understands me. Yes. You know? In... Incredible. Okay, so next, let's talk wrestling. Okay, we haven't talked wrestling in a while. Yeah, I, we haven't. The WWE fired a number of wrestlers right after WrestleMania in what is slowly becoming a yearly trend, because we talked about this exact same thing last year. Uh, but the difference between last year and this year is this year they fired a number of on-air talent right after WrestleMania. And then a few days later, they fired a ton of backstage employees. And then about a week later, they fired another number of big-name on-air talent, including Braun Strowman, who just wrestled Shane McMahon at their last WrestleMania. Oh, he my God. Made- match and also the fact that he's seven foot a million and everyone knows that vince mcmahon has a hard on for that sort of thing so these intense round of firings comes as the wwe has recently hired a new chief revenue officer named nick khan no relation to the guy with the last name Khan who is running AEW All Elite Wrestling. And so the rumor going through the pipeline is WWE may or may not be trying to cut the fat and keep costs down because they might be preparing to be sold, kind of like how Barnes & Noble fired almost 2,000 employees before eventually being sold to a British consortium or whatever the hell. Uh-huh. Vince McMahon denies these rumors, as does the WWE, but of course they do. So I guess only time will tell. Yeah. But it makes sense because the WWE just sold their entire cat, shut down their streaming service and sold their entire catalog to uh, 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 what's it called? Uh, NBC. Wow. NBC streaming Well, yeah, 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 because I, I just recently, again, checked out the Peacock to see what's on. Nothing too fucking much. And I noticed that they had all this fucking WWE shit. Like, they yeah. have a lot of WWE shit. Oh, and the funny, the, yeah, yeah, uh, Peacock was so desperate to, because they wanted to start a streaming service, but if you start a streaming service, you need a ton of content, and they just wanted more content. And so they bought all of the catalog of WWE. And it's funny because uh, NBC has been slowly but surely removing things from WWE. Like about seven or eight years ago, I guess just to show that he could, live on air in Raw, Vince McMahon called John Cena the N-word. Yeah. Yeah, during an episode of Raw, I guess just to show that he could. And uh, yeah, that's no longer on that episode of Raw. They're slowly but surely going through all of WWE's back catalog and removing all of the appropriate things. I'm not sure if Katie Vick is still 
you can still see that on Peacock, but I wouldn't be surprised. I bet you can no longer see Mark Henry getting a blowjob from a drag queen on Raw anymore, but who knows? And that would be sad. I mean, we uh, don't need to be flinging the N-word around, but yeah. so, you know, so go ahead. Fine. Although I hope you still, I hope they just bleep it instead of cutting it, because like we should still know what asshole Vincent McMahon is. That is a good you point. You know what yeah, I mean? No, we need all the proof that's out there. Yeah. And finally, our final bit of news smatterings. I'd like to give a shout out to punk band Teenage Bottle Rocket. Teenage Bottle Rocket. I believe I saw them one year at the Vans Warp Tour back when that was a thing, and I was younger, and everyone was still wearing Vans. But um, they will be doing a show coming up in Tampa, Florida on June 26th. Tickets are $18 in advance and $20 at the door for vaccinated people who can show proof of vaccination and for unvaccinated people, tickets are $999.99. Okay. I love that. <laughs> Teenage Bottle Rocket is now one of the best bands in the world. Cool. Good for you. That is wonderful. That is absolutely wonderful. Tickets for you are twenty dollars because you got vaccinated, and that's what people should do. You haven't gotten vaccinated. Tickets are a thousand dollars. Let me just I kick love this out. The band Bottle Rocket now. Let me just kick this out there real quick, and we can go into it more depth. But while it's on my mind, and because yeah. like you're a fan, like the lead guy from the Groovy Ghoulies is going to be at a local nightclub here on June twenty first. A really Keppy, little he's fucking amazing. place, huh? Keppy, he's amazing. Keppy, yes, I've met him. A, I've met him a number of times because they're a band from Sacramento, California. And so I, I think I've seen them live. I saw them live four or five times. I've talked to him a number of times. And uh, they have a song called Criswell Predicts based on one of Criswell's predictions. Yeah. And I absolutely love the Groovy Ghoulies. And now they've long since broken up because one of the members of the band was his wife and... Uh, they broke up, so the band broke up. Oh. But, but he's still doing music, and he's still touring, and oh, I absolutely love the man. Absolutely love all of his music. He released an album for kids, and the kids really liked it. Yeah. For a while. Uh, absolutely love him. And then I had a two-page spread in Rue Morgue magazine, which is a big-time horror magazine in Canada. Yeah. And then, as just a, a bizarre, uh, what a crazy random happenstance, the next two pages of the magazine were a two-page spread on the Groovy Ghoulies. Wow. 
So it was an interview with me and then an interview with that band. So I feel like we've been intertwined for a while. Cool. But yeah, absolutely love him. He is amazing. Yeah, I just wanted yeah. to... So, so go ahead. I just wanted to kick that out before I completely forgot it. Oh, no, that's a great news smattering. If you're, if you're in the Colorado area, you should go see Kepi. He's amazing. At Fritzy's. At Fritzy's. So that's it for the Pope on Film news smatterings. This time around, we will be doing news smatterings again whenever I feel like it. Yes. just yes. it. And cut on that segment. Just like Bunny Blesses. Bunny Blesses. Bunny, yeah. Saint Bunny Blessings? Yeah. The, yeah. the stream I will do whenever. <laughs> yes, whenever. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so it's the second week of our Summer of Bottoming, where we will spend all summer... Watching films from IMDb's list of the 100 bottom worst films of all time. The IMDb Bottom 100, it is called. It is a whole summer of pain. Last summer, we did a Fred Willard retrospective, which was very fun. Too fun, in fact. And now we're paying for it. But what I want to do throughout the summer of bottoming is spend a little bit of time uh, at the end of Act 1 to discuss one of the bottom 100 that we will not be watching. Okay. And, uh, this week, we will be discussing the film that is number 97 on the list, The Avengers! Okay. But not Marvel's The Avengers but the big-budget 1998 reboot of the old British show The Avengers, starring Uma Thurman as Emma Peel oh. and Rafe Fiennes as John Steed. And I saw this when it came out, and I remember it being okay. And I, I'm not 100% sure it deserves to be on the list. But I so I looked up all the information I could about this film and I figured out why it's on the list. So apparently the director made like a two hour long cut of the film and showed it to the studio. And the studio was all, this is the worst. So they did a test screening of the director's two hour cut and the audience hated it. So the studio drastically re-edited the film prior to release, cutting massive parts of the film out. So the film went from being two hours to being 89 minutes long. So he, apparently huge swatches of the film don't make sense and is nearly incoherent and very hard to follow. But yeah. isn't that most action films? like well okay but it's harder when you're also trying to maintain or elevate the Avengers ridiculousness yeah Yeah, like 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 in this movie have you seen it I haven't seen it since it came out. I saw it like on opening day with my friends at the movie theater. We probably went to Metro Center Mall and I only saw it that once and I never saw it again. 
Sean Connery and his entire gang were all wearing brightly colored teddy bear suits. Okay? Really? Now, that's okay. See, like, like, it's okay that it's in there because that's how the Avengers TV show was. It was a very kind of fucked up show. Yeah. You know? And I... But if you're going to have a script that doesn't make sense, then then how can you do that? I remember the movie not being that much of a success, but I also thought this is a remake of a British TV show and we're American. Yeah. And I I didn't think that a lot of people in America would know the name Emma Peel. So when I start, when I watched the film, it didn't make a lot of sense, but I just assumed maybe that's because I'm not British. Yeah. You know, and I'm not a fan of the TV show. I don't remember ever seeing the TV show. So maybe that's why it didn't make sense to me. Yeah, I, I, I've seen it. I've seen it like here and there. For some reason, it. And the Wild Wild West, I was I was never a fan of, but it was really popular at the time. So, like with anything that's popular, I can't help knowing certain things about the show. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. There was the something wild- about both of them. They both looked cool. They both looked interesting. But whenever I tried to watch either one of them, they bored the fuck out of me. Yeah. All I remember about the Wild Wild West was that I don't think I saw a single episode, but I loved the credits. Yes. I would watch the credits like crazy, but I don't think I watched a single episode. Also, another, like a programming note, I'm finding myself going above and beyond for every movie so far this summer. Because I feel that because this is an Ed Wood-related podcast and I'm the head of the Church of Ed Wood and I'm sort of like this bad movie guy and we are finally tackling the list of the worst films of all time, I feel that I need to go balls out for every movie we do this summer. And so I, I got a ton of stuff for this. I casted the sequels for this this Street Fighter movie we're doing this week. Yeah. And I think I did great casting the sequel the sequels for this uh the sequels that they ended up not making for this Street Fighter film. I went deep into the sex cult that the star was a part of. I I've got a lot. And that's really exciting to me that I'm going so far with this, but hopefully it translates to people actually caring, but that's a different story. But but yeah, I'm going balls out for each film. Yes. Yeah. And, and yeah, so we won't be doing the Avengers. <laughs> yeah. We won't be doing the Avengers. I, I I could I could see people if they were fans of the show maybe liking this movie. Yeah. 
I don't think that the show really quite had the fan base that they thought it did. Yeah. You know? I agree. That's yeah. kind of what it feels like to me. And frankly, the same thing with the Wild Wild West. Well, everyone... Well, I would argue that the Wild Wild West is a better movie than the Avengers. Well, to be fair, everyone watched the TV show Wild Wild West for one reason. Giant robot spiders. Yes. So... And a wisecracking black guy who was the star of the show. So the movie nailed it. Yeah. The movie really nailed it. <laughs> remember the TV show had a lot of rapping. So. Yeah. Yeah. They did a great job. Yeah. And I love Kevin Smith's story about writing the script for the death John of Superman Peters. movie. Yeah. And, and the producer is like, okay, so Superman is going to be fighting a polar bear in his fortress of solitude. And it's like, okay, that's stupid. And it's like, no. And here's another thing. Superman has to fight a giant robot spider. And it's like, why would Superman do that? Because movies do great when there are giant robot spiders. And Kevin Smith thought that was stupid. And then the movie never got made. And then the producer went on to make wild, wild west. And suddenly the end of that movie makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. Giant robot spider. In a wild west, like like I oh oh I, I was gonna say this in bunny verses, but I want to. We're talking about bizarre sequels. I've decided what my drag look is, and I'm really proud of it. Okay. I was looking at me in a dress with my green hair, and then it came to me. My my drag. What I'm going for when I'm dressed in drag is simple. Girl gremlin. Girl Gremlin. From Gremlins 2, the new batch. The blonde. That's what it Yeah. It, okay. you no, know, it, it had green hair. It had green hair. Oh, did That's it have green hair? For. Yeah. I'm going for a mix of Girl Gremlin and Mrs. Slocum from Are You Being Served? I'm well, doesn't that just kind of just doesn't that kind of mean that you're doing Yoda in drag? Kind of. I'm going to start referring to my cats as my pussy. Okay. Just like, are you being served? That was my favorite British show growing up. Are that you being served? I've seen a couple of episodes of that, too. That was kind of fun. Yeah. Mr. Humphreys yes. was great. Yeah. So that's it for um, our, our, our look at the bottom 100 movies we won't be doing. There's, we're going to be doing a lot of foreign films during this segment because there's a lot of foreign films on the IMDb bottom 100. Yeah. Uh, I can't find any of them with subtitles, so we might not be doing it. We watched a movie this week, uh, Street Fighter, The Legend of Chun-Li. We watched a movie that I, a copy of it that I downloaded from the internet. It did not have subtitles for the parts that were in Chinese, but also, I don't think we were missing anything. Yeah. I don't think knowing the horrible things they were saying at certain parts of the film would have added anything to make this movie better. But yeah, this is, well, that's and I've got to admit that I was seriously, seriously comparing this to the previous week. 
and swept away. So, like, right off the bat, I, I would check the time on the movie, and I'm like, you know, 15 minutes in, I'm not angry. <laughs> I don't think the movie is bad. I just think it's boring as fuck. It's just not interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's just boring, which I think is worse than being bad. I was expecting the IMDb bottom 100 to be filled with a bunch of Tommy Wiseau's. Yeah. But so far, I know we're only two weeks in, but so far it's like, okay, the, this, this isn't badly done. This movie it's is just, meh. It's just meh. Yeah. yeah. You know, this I mean, I think that like really sums it up. It's just meh. This is something that you would watch because it's on TBS Superstation yeah. at 2 o'clock on a Sunday and there's nothing else on. And it's like... Fuck it, I guess I'm watching Street Fighter The Legend of Chun-Li. Huh, Michael Clark Duncan is in this. That's weird. And then you're just on your phone or doing something else and occasionally watching the movie. Yes. But I I don't think it's bad. It's just not good. No. Yeah. But we'll get into that. And a sex cult. But uh, So stay tuned for a lot of sex cult stuff. Dive deep into a sex cult. Yes. So that's going to be exciting. But that's for Act 3. First, we got to finish Act 1. So that's all I've got for this week's look at one of the movies that we won't be doing. The Avengers, thank God. The Avengers. We won't be doing that. But, eh. So, so yeah. Join us next week for another movie we won't be doing on the IMDb Bottom 100 and discussing it a little bit. Because I want to... Just do as many of the worst as I possibly can. Yes. In some way or another. Yeah. So cut on that segment. Buddy! Yes. So we've still got a full show to do. We've got Bunny Versus. We've got Steve's Historic Approximations, which is a big one with a difficult uh, uh, thesis. I have a thesis. For this episode, and I think it will be difficult to get you to believe the thesis. You take your son. What's your son right now? What's what's going on? Why why do I have this kitten? It keeps climbing the fabric that I'm trying to make your tie out of. Oh, okay. And I don't want to fuck it up. Okay. So I've got a cat. What, what what cat's name is this? Miso. Miso. Okay. All of the kittens are named after soup. So this one is Miso. The other one is Campbell's Chunky. Uh, this is Egg Drop. Oh, Egg Drop. And then the other one's name is Potato. Noodle. Noodle. That's what I said. Hey, no <laughs> fighting. Remember what Shakira said. No fighting. Okay. So we've got a... And then, of course, we've got a movie to yes. discuss. Before we get to any of that... Maybe we should take a break. Should we take a break? We should take a break. Okay, I concur. We will be right back with more of the Popon film after this. Do 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 skiddy pop do wow and break.
says you don't float around wearing diapers and eating grapes i love this book so much this woman believes that like literally believes that when she prays jesus takes her from earth and lets her play in heaven uh here's what the back says since 1988 the holy spirit has been taking me to heaven Jesus would show me various fun places and allowed me to do fun things. I asked, why, ha why was he showing me these places? Daddy slash God said, because people think all they do here is float around wearing diapers, eating grapes, and doing nothing but bowing before me. Okay, so this is my favorite passage of the book, and it's called Play Gel Balls. I'm not sure if this, hold on, I'm going to do this in two parts. Okay, are you ready for this? This morning while worshiping, I was caught up in the spirit and stepped over into heaven when I heard Jesus say, come play gel balls. It's like a water balloon, but the ball is full of giggly joy gel. You can squeeze it into yourself. When you put one in yourself, you laugh intensely. Here in the, in the spirit realm, you can place things into yourself as if you were transparent. When you try to hit the other person with these joy gel balls, they try to get hit. So it will go into them, and they will intensely laugh. They can also catch it and squeeze it into themselves. Intensely laugh and keep playing. Heaven is so fun and filled with intense laughter. This reminded me of Job 8.21 that says, He will yet fill your mouth with laughter and your lips with joyful shouting. Hello there. Yeah, so anyway, I love this book. I love this book so much, and a lot of people have asked me, why do you love this book so much? And and the thing that I love about this book is that it, this isn't a joke. This person actually believes. Uh, chapter 2, Daddy, God, and the Holy Spirit in Heaven. It, this woman actually believes that she can leave Earth and travel to Heaven where she has a vaguely uh, a high sexual tension relationship with Jesus. There's a passage in here where she's slow dancing with Jesus, fragrance of Jesus. Like this woman wants to bang our Lord and Savior. And I, I just love this. I, I just, Jesus is in me. Jesus is in me. This woman wants to bang Christ. And I just love this book because 
if 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 you're on the street and you're pushing a shopping cart and the police ask you what's up with you and you say oh i, I i've been talking to jesus he takes me he takes me to uh to roller coasters roller coasters in heaven you don't uh, just float around on a cloud wearing diapers and eating grapes then you'd be put in an institution or a prison and you'd rot in there for the rest of your life but if you're an old white woman and you say those things then uh congratulations you're a prophet it's it's insane this woman is clearly insane
Just a small town girl Living in a lonely world She took the midnight train Going anywhere Just a city boy Born and raised in South Detroit He took the midnight train Going anywhere A singer in a smoky room A smell of wine and cheap perfume For a smile they can share the night It goes on and on and on and on Strangers waiting Up and down the boulevard Their shadows searching in the night Streetlights, people Living just to find emotion Hiding somewhere, somewhere in the night Working hard to get my fill Everybody wants a thrill Paying anything to roll the dice Just one more time Some will win, some will lose Some were born to sing my blues All the movie never ends It goes on and on and on and on Strangers Waiting Walk up and down the boulevard Their shadows Searching in the night Streetlights People Living just to find emotion Hiding Somewhere in the night
stop believing Hold on to the feeling, yeah lights, people Don't stop believing Whoa To the feeling, yeah. Street lights, people. We are back, filthy capitalist dogs, people of the revolution. And we're back with more of the Pope on Film. Funny. Yes. Are you ready for another exciting installment of Bunny Versus, starring the incomparable, the illustrious, the some third thing, Bunny Williams? Are you ready? Are you pumped? Are you amped? Are you jazzed? Are you psyched? Are you primed? Are you ready? Are you revved up? Do you have your motor running to get out on the highway? Are you ready, buddy? Are you ready? Yeah, 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 I think I'm pretty ready now. Okay, so without any further ado, it's time once again for Bunny Versus, and here is your host, Bunny Williams. Take it away, Bunny! Hi. <laughs> Uh, not sure where to start. Okay, grimy mold guy has been found. So he knows I'd like to have yes, him on the podcast, huh? Tell us all about it. Tell us all about it. How did this come to be? How did this come to be? Well, I kind of dead ended with uh. Mackie Bernacki, like the talent agency. Yeah. Because they didn't answer my emails and like how pushy do I want to get about this? You know what I mean? Like so I'm yeah. kind of figuring I'll contact I'll try to contact somebody once, you know. And that's kind of all I can do, really, you know. <clears throat> uh of course, it all depends on how my obsession goes. Uh, I had also found the, like, Corbamite, whatever the product is called, which I keep yeah. forgetting because it's got a weird kind of name. <clears throat> I had found their Facebook group, and I had posted a couple of things there. Uh, 
And it doesn't look like there's much activity there anymore. You know, like, and and I scrolled back on their Facebook page for like quite a while because they're gonna mention when they when they made a commercial and when they release a commercial for their product. Yeah. And that's when I found out going like way the fuck back there. Like around 2015, back in their comments, I hear of an actor referred to as Andy. Now, I don't know if they're necessarily talking about Grimy Mold Guy or not, but I make note of that. Okay? And then I'm kind of stuck, and I don't know where to go to from there. You know, uh, yeah. I mean, I was literally going through their Facebook group looking for fucking clues. You know, I've been all over Mackie Bernanke's site looking for clues, along with now Googling Mackie Bernanke, the the mold spray name, all of that, trying to come up with anything further. Uh Oh, what was it? Something weird kept happening in the Google searches. Uh, uh, what the fuck was I searching on and what was it coming up with? It looked like there was a series of hacks going around. I don't know where, though, but, like, I kept finding a pattern, a little bit of a pattern of something completely off the subject when I was doing Google searches, where it would come up with somebody's name, but in front of the website, it would say something like Lord of the Rings. Okay. Gary Henry, attorney at law. Okay. Okay. And if you clicked it, it would come up with a giant picture of a cartoon robot saying, prove you're not a robot, and click here with a big arrow to the allow button that pops up in your browser. And I was like, Oh, if that's not as suspicious as motherfucking hell. (laughs) Yeah. So I found a few of these, and they were all prefixed. I forget exactly what the prefix was, but it was all... It was all, like, that same pattern, like, the Lord of the Rings, then whatever, like, the real website was supposed to be. Yeah. And then you would get the robot if you went there. So that you can click allow to let the website do whatever to your browser it wants to do. So that was fucked up. Yeah. But that didn't turn up any results. Just kind of pot shotting like that. I was like, Maybe I would find another actor who was in the commercial or something like that. You know, 
But then I was like, yeah. I also know that it is uh, <clears throat> in and around the Toronto area, you know? So I'm yes. like, well, you know what? <laughs> Somebody in the Toronto area is going to know who he is. So I started doing Facebook searches for, like, acting groups and things like that around uh, the Toronto area. And one of them, the one that wound up hitting, which kind of makes sense that it was the one that hit, was um, <coughs> was Actra, uh, which is the Canadian Actors Union, uh, which I didn't actually really know until I started doing the search. So he turns out to be an, uh, an Actra member. So he's been in quite a few other things, uh, some um, other commercials, things like that. What there was something he was in a big musical. I forget what it was, but it sounded interesting. I forget, but he is Andy Ingram, and since he is a union actor, he has to check with the union to find out if he could be on a podcast. But he was very flattered that I liked what he did. <laughs> You know, and I sent him a couple of episodes of the show, which what could be mean? a mistake. <laughs> what a random way to track someone down. Yeah. What an, what an absolute shot in the dark that was. Well, well I had a, a look, I made a graphic of the of the wanted poster <clears throat> anyway. It came out looking kind of cool. So I just started posting it around. Have you seen this man? It's incredible that you found this guy. Yeah. So he's considering it, and, you know, I don't want to push him, give him a chance to, you know, check with his union maybe about in a week. You know, when it's been like a week, maybe I'll just tap him again, say, hey, what are you thinking? You know? Yeah. And if he's still kind of like, you know, I mean, there's always the potential that he doesn't like us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? You know, so... We will see how the, that goes. But contact has been made. The grail has been found. Well, I'm just going to come out and say it. I have been wearing drag more and trying to be more comfortable with the drag part of my life. So if he doesn't like the podcast, it's because he hates... Uh, men in dresses. Okay. So, there you go, grimy mold guy. You can either <laughs> be slow, or you're a bigot. I sent him the audio versions. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That makes Just because they're easier to get to on SoundCloud. Yeah. I could tell yeah. by the graphic I use which one I need when I scroll through. Yeah. I am chewing gum while recording the podcast. A true sign of a professional. Yes. Hooray! So, um, a friend of mine, in the, a Facebook friend mostly, okay. um, 
Well, he he put out a call because he's doing a he's doing a film uh, called Venus in Cancer, and he put out a call for extras. Uh, I think he was actually working the sound on the movie. I don't know who was really doing what. I just paid to the attention to the guy with the camera. Uh, okay. So Jeannie and I volunteered to be extras in the movie, so we did this yesterday, and it was a lot of fun. Nice. Nice. Good job. So we just we just sat at a table, because it was supposed to be a bar scene. They gave yeah. us prop drinks. and uh. And I also kind of know what what I would want out of extras, you know? Yeah. So once I knew that he was framing us into the background, I was, me and Jeannie, as soon as, as he said action, Jeannie and I would like just start quietly talking to each other, and I would sip my drink, you know, and I would be animated, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> So that it looks like something else is going on in the background of the scene, but it's not important. You know, yeah. I would play with my cigarette case or play with my lighter or rub the lime around the rim of the glass or whatever. And <clears throat> the whole time, me and Jeannie would be talking nonsense back and forth to each other. You know, yeah, hand gesturing, things like that. Red leather, yellow leather, watermelon. We. Got praises from the director nice. for our extra ing. Nice, you're so <laughs> extra. <laughs> Good job, buddy. We are, we are, we are the the crowned royalty of Colorado Springs extra ing. Very proud. Very proud. <laughs> Very, very proud. Good job. So I'm planning on starting starting to uh, put out classes, you know, how to extra, you know, because yep. you know, I, I've I've done this now. I I'm an expert. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so I think maybe I should start with a book and an audio book. You know. Yeah. Then a series of instructional videos. Yeah. With infomercials yeah. to sell all of this, of course. Absolutely. Are infomercials even still a thing? Is is television really a thing anymore? Yes. I think so. Hmm. Huh. That would be strange. Although going through Peacock was really strange. Yeah, yeah. It's sad because they're like, every episode of Saturday Night Live. Also, we can't afford any of the musical acts, so a lot of episodes... We can't afford to, to have any episodes that have music in it, so some of the episodes are 37 minutes long. Yes. Hooray! Mm-hmm. There's an episode of SNL that's literally 27 minutes on Peacock. <laughs> and it's like, damn, they cut out a lot. What music were they using during that episode? That's sad. 
Yeah, I, I I was checking out Peacock and uh and I went I went to Saturday Night Live and I was noticing the length that you were talking about. And I yeah. was like, okay, let's just test Peacock out. I, I can go for an episode of Saturday Night Live. And I start flipping through Saturday Night Live. And I'm trying to test Peacock at the same time. And I'm like, let's see how fucking far back I can get there. You know? Let's see if yeah. I can get to some old Gilda Radner stuff. You know? Mistel Spillman. Yes, exactly. If I could have nailed Mistel Spillman, I'd be watching Peacock all the motherfucking time now. Okay? Yeah. But that was a long-ass scroll. A huge scroll. That's a huge scroll. And I gave up at the worst possible time where I was scrolling through and I'm like, this is taking fucking forever. Okay, I'm just going to stop it. And whatever I stop on, I'm just going to watch that one. And I stop. And I play it. Was it Anthony Michael Hall? Huh? Was it Anthony Michael Hall? And Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. And what's his name? Jay Moore? Joe Piscopo had a reoccurring skit that was the absolute worst where he him he was a family and they were called the whiners. Yes. And all they did was whine. Oh, but this coffee's too hot. And it was the absolute worst. The worst reoccurring skit in the history of SNL. And I hated the cheerleaders. Yeah. From uh, uh, Will Ferrell's time, but yeah. the wine a million times worse, billion times worse. He did it. So I barely remember the episode, except the episode was horrible. Yeah, and it probably couldn't have been the worst episode I landed on. It, to be fair, you were you were about three or four seasons away from getting the mystical Spillman. You were close. Yeah, I know. You got close. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I know I would still have to scroll through the end of this, and then I would have to scroll through at least the Charlie Rocket phase. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you were about four or five seasons away. So that's where I was. I was in the basement of a bar called Fritzy's. And that is where, what is it, Greedo? Crino? Huh? Is that where where Keffy's going to play? Keffy, yes. That is where Keffy's going to play. So we're standing out there. In between shots, having a cigarette, and I see I see this on the side of the wall, and I'm like, I've got to tell Steve about this. <laughs> Happy's coming to a bar in Colorado City to do a little tour. Yeah, fucking Happy. I talked to him, I think, three times. The lead singer of the Groovy Ghoulies, and every time I did. It was the first time that he was talking to me. Okay. Because there's no way he remembered me the last time I talked to him. Yeah. I've never seen someone, I've never talked to someone before and just 10 seconds into talking to someone, 
immediately realized, well, you're ADD. <laughs> but there's just something about Cappy. He's a living can of Red Bull. Okay. And it's just, it's just like, I, I, the first time I talked to him, I gave him a flyer for the Church of Ed Wood. And he's like, oh, Ed Wood, I love Ed Wood so much. Did you see the video that we did for 50,000 spaceships because we made our own flying saucers and they were on strings and we had these sticks and it was a lot of fun. We filmed it on the top of this one building downtown. You know which building I'm talking about? It's the one on 4th Street. And it's like, holy shit, dude. <laughs> You just gave me like 10 different conversations in like a minute. <laughs> you need to slow down for me. But yeah, that was Cappy. Yeah. Yeah. Love that, man. So that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. So uh, how have you been? Uh, pretty good. I have a doctor, which I'm getting used to, because I I hadn't I haven't had uh, health insurance for like three years, but I have a doctor, and and uh, she put me on some uh, antidepressants, and they just made me more depressed. Yeah, you know, so that was a rough like two months, two and a half months. They didn't make me more depressed, but I was suddenly quiet, which I, I never am, you know? Like, they would take me to the sunken place. Okay. And I would just, and I would just stop talking to people. And I would help the kids, and I would help Natasha, and I was, I was like, there was, there was like a switch in me that was switched, and I was just in listen mode. And I would help everyone else and listen to everyone else. But then that was it. I was still in my own little, like, cave or I don't know. But uh, we got off of that meds. And now I'm on some new meds. And they seem to be working because I'm, I'm, I'm able to just talk to people more. So that's good. It, yesterday, we went to, to Jack to, yeah, to Jack in the Box. We went to Jack in the Box. And they have this new burger, and it's a triple cheese bacon burger. And it's got regular, uh, like, uh, regular cheese, and then it's got, like, mozzarella cheese, and then it's got literal dripping, uh, like, like, nacho cheese on the top. And then there's bacon bits inside of that. And I swear to God, apparently they make it and the cheese is so hot and it's literally dripping out of the sandwich that they kept warning me about it. Okay. It's almost as if they wanted me to f sign a freaking waiver just to eat the damn sandwich. Yeah. But when I'm there and I've got curly fries and I've got a soda and I've got a side order of bacon and cheddar potato waste and I'm eating that and then I'm getting my burger and it's all greasy and there's cheese dripping out of it and I'm eating it in the car and it's getting everywhere and my wife just looks at me and goes and your doctor said you're healthy? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 no one's as surprised as I am. 
So I'm going to start a diet book. Uh, it's called The Popcorn and Ramen Diet. Yes. Helps you get your cholesterol levels down because you're not really eating anything. So that's my new diet book, and I'm really excited about it. Uh, uh, it's Pride Month. Yeah. Our Pride Parade is in uh, not this upcoming weekend, but the weekend after that. We're not sure if we're going because we're still a bit gun-shy when it comes to big crowds. Yeah. We're still wearing masks. Things are difficult because, hey, everyone over the age of 12 can get the vaccine. And if you're unvaccinated, you can not wear a mask outside and, and in public places. And hooray, we've solved everything. But I've got a four-year-old. I've got a nine-year-old. There is no telling when they will get a shot, if they even will. And so we're kind of screwed. Old yeah. parents with young children are kind of in a this horrible effing position. Because, okay, so... so uh, I'm vaccinated, my wife's vaccinated, my three oldest are vaccinated, and that's great. Bella will be getting their final vaccination shot tomorrow. I'm so proud of them. It's so great. And they will be fully vaccinated. But even if you're vaccinated, you can still um, pass the coronavirus on to someone else who doesn't have it. So yeah. even though we're all vaccinated, my wife and I go out to Target, go out to Walmart, we're still wearing masks because we could, we still have two people, two young, vulnerable children in our house who yeah. are allowed to get the vaccine right now, and it just sucks. So we don't know if we're going to Pride, and that's lame because I've, I've made the decision that whenever the next Pride Parade is, I'm going to go dress like this, and I'm going to go out in public, and I'm going to have my hair all done up and wear my best dress and be in drag, and it'll be the first real time ever that I'll be in drag out in public, and I'm nervous, and, but I feel that if I'm ever going to do it, it would be in Pride, you know, okay. and so I was, I was, I'm all set to do it, but I don't know if we're going to do it this year, you know, because we're still worried about big crowds of people because we got two young ones. It just sucks. Yeah. Who knows? My kids will be, my two youngest will be able to, to get a vaccine, you know? Yeah. So that's difficult. So no um, worried about that because I'm pretty sure now anybody can get a vaccine in Colorado. I'm pretty sure the the nationwide mandate is that anyone 12 and older and it's like great what if you have a three-year-old a five-year-old a seven-year-old an eight-year-old you're just screwed yeah. and it just sucks you know i'm a kid's storyteller i a lot of children it's it so yeah so there's that uh, so, uh, I've talked about this before on Bunny Versus. My daughter, Emerald's boyfriend, was hit head-on by a drug driver and yes. spent a ridiculous amount of time uh, in the emergency room, and he was in critical condition for a while. 
Um, he's gotten better. He can. He's going to save his leg. Looks like his eye. He will not have eyesight in one of his eyes. Um, but he is officially out of the hospital. Nice. He. All that's left now. His jaw is still wired shut. Ooh. And he has a lot of physical therapy that he has to do, but the hospital said this is all stuff you can do from home. And so uh, he is out and he is at home, which means that Emerald is basically gone. And there's a part of me that is upset about this, but also understands because if I was like 19 and I got into a car accident and I was bedridden and my jaw is wired shut and I need someone to change a colostomy bag and change a diaper and help me pee and help me wipe and all of this stuff. I don't want my mom to do any of that. Yeah. I would want my girlfriend to do it. So suddenly Emerald is just living at Jeremy's house and doing so much. She's basically like a live-in nurse. Ooh. And she had she had just gotten a job too, but but now she 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 she's she's quit the job and she's helping Jeremy pretty much full time. It's pretty much a full time job, and I I barely see her anymore. But also I understand, yeah. you know. I'm trying to see it from Jeremy's point of view. A lot it, there's an intimacy there where if I got into a car accident now. And, you know, I would want Natasha to help me and not my mom and dad. Yeah. Like, fuck all that. Don't any of you touch me. Yeah. So, so I'm trying to understand that. Uh, a fun fact that I learned yesterday while we were driving to Target. Uh, I'm all right driving. I am not okay being a passenger in a car now. Oh, oh, I've had that for a really long time. I've never been like that. I And I'm assuming it's because uh, Jeremy was hit by the drunk driver, but just I am 100% fearful now of just being driven around. It's very difficult for me, so that's exciting. But yeah, that's me. That's where I'm at. Uh, I've got a huge shaft. Jesus, I still have so much. I've got a huge shaft. I've got a mini yeah. shaft inside of our discussion of the movie. I have so much. Fuck Chris Klein. <laughs> he plays like a some generic agent trying to track down M. Bison, and apparently he just went to NCIS school to learn yeah. to be an agent. And he's like, I'm here because I'm hunting down M. Bison. Like, I kept I kept waiting for him to put on sunglasses and hear the opening of Teenage Wasteland. Yeah. You know, because he's just got that. So, we're doing a stakeout, huh? This is what I call acting. And it's ah, oh, it's just the worst. I, I I kept forgetting, like scene to scene, exactly what they were. 
So, like, at first I thought they were cops, and then, like, a little further in, I was like, eh, maybe reporters? I I don't know. And then it started coming back to cop again. But I had to see the badge before I believed it. Yeah. Halfway through the movie, I'm like, wait a second. Are they DEA? Are they FBI? Are they just regular-ass cops? Who the hell are these people? Well, mostly I was asking myself, what are you doing in this movie? Yeah. Like, they they don't seem, you know, like, like they are the black freighter of this movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's some vague connection. <laughs> Not yeah. terribly sure what it is. Yeah. So that's that. How so are you, Bunny? I'm okay. That that was fun. Cool. I don't think I have much to add about that. Let's head on over to Shap because we're both straining at least to talk about this movie. Yes. Yes, we are. So that is it for this week's Bunny Versus. And I would like to remind you, as always, self-adhesive tape. Yes, please. Love that. Love that so much. So until next week, cut on that. Cut on that. Bunny! Yes! If you're like me, and I know I am, you're no doubt a big fan of this podcast, The Pope on Film. I mean, who isn't? It's sweeping the nation. But only real fans, true hardcore fans, who have been with us since the beginning would know two undeniably real and in no way made up in the fat, made up on the fly facts about the both of us. Two facts about the two of us, America's hottest podcasting couple, Bunny and Steve. First and foremost, Bunny, is the fact that when you're not doing the podcast, you perform exorcisms. So tell us, Bunny, what kind of exorcisms, pray tell, is it that you actually do? Uh, I I do entomological um, exorcisms. Hmm. Uh, You know, Hmm. people do not realize that, you know, demons can protect, uh, can possess humans demons can possess pigs and other animals uh they can also uh possess insects uh so it's really hard to diagnose an insect of demonic possession yes. uh a lot of the things are like, kind of out the window. Because, you know, a lot of bugs, you squeeze them, green shit comes out their mouth. Yeah. You know? So, it's inconclusive in the blood, in the bug exorcism world. Very you know? true. Very uh, true. So, basically, we will take a bug and we'll torture it for a while. Until an angel tells us to set it free. Yeah, yeah, that that sounds right. That sounds yeah. right. That's that's the scale we're using uh, in the in the 
follow the exorcism field. Yeah. I'm, I'm down with that. Bugsorcisms. Bugsorcisms. Yeah, bugsorcisms. And the second fact that you know about me is that I'm a lover of history. I love it, but I'm also a storyteller. So what I like to do at this part of the podcast is find a story from the history books, maybe one that people don't know too well, and reword it via my own unique storytelling style. And that's what this is, another educationally uneducational installment of Steve's Historic Approximation! Dun, 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 dun. Or SHAP, as I like to call it, repeatedly, annoyingly, whether anyone wants me to or not. Personally, I like the name SHAP. It's short, but it's strong. Like any male actor standing next to Gwyneth Paltrow. Fun fact about Gwyneth Paltrow, she's like 5'10". So during the Marvel movies, Robert Downey Jr. was in super tall shoes with a bit of heels, and Gwyneth Paltrow would be barefoot to try and change the height discrepancy. Uh-huh. So the time you see the two of them together, she is barefoot. I find that absolutely fascinating. Ab-fab. Anywho! That's also, that's also probably why there was the whole pit design, too. <laughs> yeah, she's in a pit. She's in a trench. Like yeah. that one Money Python skit. Anywho, today's Shap isn't about noted batshit nutjob fake health quack Gwyneth Paltrow. No. Today's Shap is about a surprising subject with a surprising thesis. The subject is Janine Deckers, a.k.a. Sorcery, a.k.a. the one and only original singing nun. Okay. And the thesis is the singing nun was fucking cool as fuck and my new goddamn hero. Okay. The singing nun was awesome. Anyway, here's the story. She was born Jean-Paul Marie Deckers in Belgium in 1933 and grew up to be quite the tomboy, but was also very religious. And at the age of 15, she had a premonition that she would become a nun so as a teen growing up, she considered the life a life as a nun in a convent, and she taught scripture to very young children and joined a young girls' Catholic group. And at camp, a summer camp, she met someone, a fellow teenage girl named Anne Petcher. Annie Petcher. And together, they would become best friends, BFFs. They would become close, very close. Extremely close. Okay. <laughs> Remember that. Annie Petcher. That'll be important. Put a pin on that. This segment is single-handedly keeping the pin business from going out of business. Yeah. We are propping up the pin industry. We're in the pocket of big pin. Yes. Which is something that not a lot of people know about. So in 1959, at the age of 26... Uh, our girl, Jean Paul Marie Deckers, enters the convent and becomes a sister in the order of the Dominican Sisters of Our Lady of Fitchermont, where she takes the name Sister Luke Gabrielle. 
Okay. She starts writing music and playing music, and people seem to like it. Convents have visitors, you know, and visitors are hearing her playing her music, and they like it. So much so that her sister superiors come to her with an idea. Look, we've got an idea. Kind of crazy, outside of the box thinking, but hear me out. You have music. People like it. You're playing it. It's very good music. What if you go out of the convent, you record a little album of music, you go out, record a little album of your original music, and we can sell it right here at the convent. I don't know. We can set up a gift shop. I don't know. We can sell your little record to our guests and visitors, and this will be a fun, special little way for us to make a little extra money. So our hero, uh, Sister Luke Gabrielle is her name now, she agrees to her sister superior's idea and goes off to record an album. In 1962, she records an album and... Surprise, surprise! From out of nowhere, like a Randy Orton RKO, a year later, one of her songs from the album, a Belgian-French song called Dominique, becomes an overnight worldwide smash fucking hit. <laughs> Selling Elvis during its stay on the Billboard 100. Elvis, in his prime, was knocked out of the top spot by some random singing nun. What year was this again? Belgium. Huh? What year was this again? Uh, she recorded the album in 1962 and 1963. Okay, that makes... Okay, that, I'm thinking about something else, but, you know... Like right around that time, we we had kind of a a nunsplosion. Yeah, yeah, it's because of her and her song Dominique. Just imagine being a nun in a small convent. You have no money. You have nothing to your name, and then suddenly you find yourself on Ed Sullivan, and you're nominated for Record of the Year for your small album that was going to be sold at a gift shop. <laughs> Talk about a goddamn culture shock. But all was not perfect for our hero. For starters, she has spent her entire life dealing with depression, extreme depression. So when she started working on songs for her album, she's like, I deal with depression. I will write songs about depression, and this will help people deal with her depression. But her sisters are like, you can't write songs about being sad. Yeah. People will think that nuns are all sad. So her fellow sisters would censor her music. Yeah. Like, I imagine she's like, okay, I know I'm a nun, and um, uh, I've devoted my life to the Lord, but also, um, fuck that. Yeah. 
and they wouldn't allow her to record songs about sadness and depression. That's kind of messed up. So she's being censored by her fellow nuns, number one. Secondly, the recording contract that she signed royally screwed her the fuck over. Okay. I imagine the recording company is just like, oh, so you're a nun. Oh, kept a vow of chastity, have you? Oh, isn't that interesting? Have you also kept a vow of poverty? You have. Interesting. Okay, so here's the recording contract. It states that I get, uh, let's say, 95% of all of the record sales. Yeah. And the other five, uh, yeah, can go directly to your convent. Not to you. Uh, you have uh, signed. Uh, you 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 have uh, made a vow of poverty. I can't give you money. Yeah, it will go directly to the convent. So the record company kept ninety five percent of all album sales, and the convent got the rest. So she has the best selling album on the planet, the number one song in the entirety of Earth. But she had no money got no money from it, and was living in a very small... I imagine it's like the place she was living was like where uh, Zero lived in um, uh, that Wes Anderson film. The Hotel... Oh, uh, okay. What's that called? Uh, Hotel Budapest? The Grand Budapest Hotel. Yeah, okay. yeah. So she has the number one album on the planet, the number one song in the planet, and she has no money and nothing to her name, and she's living in a tiny, you know, storage closet. Like, that's fucked up. That's really fucked up. Yes. So her number one album was an all-time smash hit, and in 1964, she records a follow-up album called Her Joys, Her Songs. No one wants it. No one buys it. The album bombs. Not to mention the fact that she can't record the songs that she wants. She's making, she's seeing no money from being a number one smash hit. All of this devastates her. She's also dealing with depression, but she's not allowed to deal with it as a nun. Plus, there's a lot of friction growing between her and the Catholic Church. Suddenly, when you really think about it in 1973, 1974, she becomes the face of nuns everywhere. She becomes a sort of de, de facto spokesperson for the entirety of the Catholic Church, second only to the goddamn Pope. I dare say you probably saw more of the singing nun than you saw the freaking Pope back then. <laughs> and the Catholic Church is getting a bit pissed off about it. Say she's doing an interview, she talks about dealing with depression, suddenly the Pope is like, hey, a singing nun, why the fuck are you doing that? Shut the fuck up! <laughs> impression. Hey, a singing nun, what the fuck are you doing? Stop talking about the, the depression, we break your legs. Hey! So they're getting pissed. So... In 1966, just as Debbie Reynolds is starring in the film The Singing Nun, for which the actual Singing Nun saw zero dollars, oh. they made a movie of her life story, which she would go on to later say, 
100% fiction. Nothing in that movie actually happened. They just took her name, her likeness, and her song and made a movie about her life, which wasn't about her life, and she got no money from it. While this was happening, Janine Deckers, a.k.a. Sister Luke Gabrielle, leaves the covent, leaves the convent, Which is what the Catholic Church says. Oh, she left her the church. She had a hard time being a Catholic. Fuck her. Listen to me. I'm a papa. But uh, uh, I'm just I'm just laughing because leaving the covenant is something completely different. <laughs> yeah, I, I I read the word wrong. So uh the Catholic Church is like, yes, yeah, she has left the church. She's complete she's gone. She's outskies. But Janine Deckers would later admit, I didn't leave shit. They kicked me out of Catholicism. (laughs) Like, literally, the Pope is like, we gotta do something about this fucking singing nun. Fucking, let's get her out. Hey! Yahoo! Uh, So, like, they kick her out of the church. And remember, She's penniless. The yeah. convent and the record company kept all of the money that she made from her number one hit. So she gets kicked out of the convent, kicked out of the Catholic Church, and she is 100% fucking poor despite having the number one song in all of existence. How fucked up is that? Yeah. And what is worse is that The woman writes the world's biggest song. She makes no money off of it. The Catholic Church kicks her out. She's broke, penniless, even when Debbie Reynolds is being her in America's number one movie. And when she tries to continue her music career, the record company shows up and they're like, here's the thing. We own the name The Singing Nun. You left the convent You can't be the singing nun anymore. We own that name. The convent and I own that name. The Catholic Church owns the name the singing nun. You want to keep recording music? Fine. Record it as your own name. You can't record under the name Sister Luke Gabrielle. You can't record under the name of sorcery or whatever that nickname was that they gave her. You can't record under the name Singing Nun. Fuck you. We own your name. That is she, the singing nun isn't allowed to record as the singing nun anymore. So she starts recording new music. It's not selling. She's recording albums as Janine Deckers. No one knows who the fuck Janine Deckers is. Yeah. So it's so sad what what they did to her, what they all did to her, especially the Catholic Church. So it's the late 60s. She's trying to hit it big again as herself. She's understandably upset. The Catholic Church screwed her over. The Catholic Church kicked her out of the Catholic Church. What the fuck you got to do to do that? They're covering up pedophiles. Yes. So finally, Janine Deckers just says, you know what? I'm sorry to curse, but to heck with the Catholic Church. Yeah, I said it. To heck with them. 
1967, she pisses them the hell off. <laughs> she records a new song. The title is, this is 1967! Yes. She records a new song called Glory Be to God for the Golden Pill. Okay. A pro-contraception song in 1967 America. A bold-ass move for a former freaking nun. She had balls, and I love this woman. Yeah. She is on, she is on, like, the periphery of my memory. Yeah, yeah. That's why she... I thought that, this, that the thesis of this, uh, the thesis of this chat might be difficult for some people to swallow, because, and I've said this a million times before, I am shocked that more people don't know about this woman's life. Well, didn't... I will see. Like I, I, I want to ask a question, but I'm afraid I'm going to spoil part of it. Then don't. Okay. Then don't. Then do not, because we're there's so much more. Okay. So the Catholic Church is pissed at Janine Deckers, the former Catholic nun. They are pissed at the former singing nun. She writes a pro-conception song, a pro-God, pro-conception song, and the Catholic Church loses their shit. They get so mad at her that Deckers was all set to do a concert in Canada. And Canada's like, hey, we're not American. We're not Catholic. Come on in. We'll do a big concert. And everyone's really excited. But the Catholic Church in Canada said, okay, we don't ever do this. We forbid the concert. Okay. It's like it's like in Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade when uh, the blonde guy gets the the memo in the limousine and he's like, "Well, looks like Adolf Hitler just declared war on the Jones boys." Yeah, the <laughs> Catholic Church that's like, "Okay, we forbid Janine Deckers to have the concert in Canada." And so the venue cancels it. Oh. What the fuck do you do when the Pope says don't have this concert? Like, this doesn't happen. So the venue's like, okay, I guess we're canceling the concert. And then after that, a number of other big venues across the world also cancel. And they're like, oh shit, Canada canceled the concert? Well, I guess we're canceling it too. And so the Catholic Church personally went out of their way to cancel her tour. Damn! Yeah. It's crazy. She tried to release another album, but again, it bombed. No one knows who she is. She has a nervous breakdown and spends two years in psychotherapy. This all seems bad. She hit a high, and then she couldn't really even celebrate it. And then she's hitting low after low after low. It all seems bad. However, there is one bit of happiness. She's out of the convent. She's like, I'm out of the convent. I'm penniless. I have nothing to my name. I have no one. Who's going to help me? You know what? I did used to have a friend, didn't I? <laughs> the girl from summer camp back in the day. And we became BFFs and we would hang out. We lived near each other. We were childhood friends, teenage friends. I'll give her a call. 
So she reconnects with Annie Petcher. They get back in contact with each other. They hit it off, and they move in together. Okay. Now, in 1967, for a single woman to uh, become BFFs with another single woman and move in together where they spend all of their time together, that was a bit scandalous. Yeah. And people accused her of being gay, and Janine Decker wrote, and I quote, I deny these rumors. I am not homosexual. Anyone who cannot understand this fact can go to the devil, which is a phrase I've never heard before. That is what she wrote. But Janine Decker's biographer, Catherine Savat, says basically, look, she had to say that. It was 1967. They were totally lesbians for each other. So, you know... Sure, Janine Decker's life is shit, and the Catholic Church royally screwed her over, but at least she found someone, you know? At least she found someone, and they were together, and they were in love. In the 70s, she tried going by the name Sister Smile, and she was a bit successful. But then, oh, they're not done screwing over the singing nun, Jesus Christ. In the late 70s, the Federal Public Service Finance company, the organization, basically the IRS, but in Belgium. Yeah. The Belgian IRS comes on knocking and they say, okay, back taxes for you. You owe us $63,000 in back taxes from your huge musical hit. You owe us $63,000. And she tries to say, no, I was a nun at the time. The covenant took all the convent. God damn. The convent took all my money, and then the record company took the rest of it. I didn't actually make any money. I do not owe that. But the country is all, sorry, tough titties. You owe us $63,000 in 1970. So she, she's like, I got to make money. I, I owe so much, and I have so little. So she, so she tries, like, like, how desperate do you got to be? She releases a disco version of Dominique. Okay. She even made a video for it. It's on YouTube. I've seen it. It's horrible. (laughs) (laughs) But but I had to see it because that's the last footage of her that exists. So I had yeah. to see it. Like, shit, I got to track down the disco version of Dominique. I hope it's on YouTube. There it is. All right. I never should doubt YouTube. Of course, the disco version of Dominique is on YouTube. But, yeah, it's pretty laughably bad. So Janine Post Decker, the link. But, uh, yeah, she tried to score a hit with the disco version of Dominique, but that went nowhere. Her life is in the toilet. She can't pay the money she owes the government. The government is on her ass. The government is trying to ruin her, just like the Catholic Church did. Imagine dedicating your entire life to a religion who said, nah, we don't want you to dedicate your life to us. Get the fuck out. (laughs) She tries getting her, her money, but number one, the convent... Gives her a bit of money, and they're like, okay, you've come to us, you're asking for money, and here is a small amount. Ah, but there's a catch. 
you have to stop throwing shade on the convent and admit in writing that we don't owe you any money anymore and we have paid you fairly. Oh. You admit that, we'll give you this tiny amount of money comparable to the massive amount that you made for us. Uh, and then the record company who kept 95% of her revenue said, oh, you signed a contract. We ain't giving you shit. Oh. So she had the number one greatest hit record of all time, of all music ever, and she was paid like a small amount of money. So sadly, it's the 80s, and Janine Decker just owes so much money, and her music career is going nowhere. So in 1985, her... And her lesbian lover, Annie Petcher, both commit suicide together with alcohol and pills, which is really sad. And I'm just going to come out and say it. The Catholic Church killed the singing nun. Yeah. I feel that that is a safe story to say. The Catholic Church fucking killed the singing nun. Yeah. And when I, Dominique, I, I think of some... None, but the truth is, it was a talented musician who dealt with depression and was a lesbian and was screwed over by the Pope. And goddamn, this is an insane story. More so than fucking Debbie Reynolds smiling and playing a goddamn guitar. Yeah. And I know I've said this at the end of every uh, chat, but I'm just going to say it again. I am shocked that more people don't know of the true story of the singing nut. Yeah, yeah that annoying ass song but god damn she lived a life it is shocking that, that this hasn't been made into like a gritty amazing movie yeah you know like i said she is on she is on the the edge of my memory like she is hanging by a thread that is attached to the flying nun memory yeah and but like because I would always get confused when I heard one or the other was going to be someplace at the time when I was about four or five. Yeah. Because the singing nun would pop up on, like, Dinah Shore, Merv Griffin, Mike Douglas, like, all of the afternoon talk shows that we don't really have anymore. Yeah. You know? The singing nun would pop up. But if you look just like broadly around and had to target in when nun content or nun like content was when was the golden day for nuns? Huh? Nun mania? Thank you. Sweeping. The country. And it would I be have always right... had a thing for Sally Field. Yeah, and always. it would be right there. Always. And I'm wondering how much is inspired, actually inspired by the singing nun. Because, yeah, right there we have, we have the flying nun with Sally Field, which I used to love. Um, we had... We had a nun in an Elvis movie. What the fuck movie was it? Change of Habit. Yes. And I think it might have been Diane Cannon. I'm not sure. Or Diane Carroll. I forget exactly her name. Who then went or on Diane to Arbus. be to who then went on to be the star of a TV like sitcom called Julia where 
she played a nurse. You know, one yeah. of the one of the first black actresses on TV, and she played a nurse in kind of a situation comedy. But I would still call nurse none adjacent. You know? Yeah. Just like Julie yeah. Andrews in The Sound of Music, again, right around in the same period, is none adjacent. She's not exactly yeah, I, a nun, but she kind of passes for a nun. Yeah. Yeah, that was all the singing nun. That was all Janine Decker's. She had such a catchy song that she started nunsploitation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. But then she got screwed because she was a nun. She made zero dollars. And she That's... was kicked out of the church. That's it. Her story is so messed up. Yeah. Man, I would say this is the worst thing the Catholics have done, but they keep coming up with things. Yeah. More and more things. To, to, to make them hate, to make you hate them. Yeah. But yeah, so that's uh, Shaft this week. The Singing Nun. She was a badass, and I love her, and she's my new hero, and she got screwed over. Cool. Absolutely screwed over, and committed suicide with her lesbian lover. Yes. She deserved more. So join us next week for more uh, educationally uneducational fun with Steve's historic approximations. And cut on that. Funny. Yes. We still have a movie to get to. We need to talk about a sex cult. We need to talk about the show Smallville. We need to talk about the band of the Black Eyed Peas? We need to talk <laughs> about Jean-Claude Van Damme! Yes. And Rogue One! And why Carl Douglas is a liar! <laughs> but before we get to any of that, maybe we should take a break. Should we take a break? We should take a break. I concur. We will be right back with more of the These lights that my wife bought for her plants are wonderful for lighting for YouTube videos. Hello, Reverend Steve here, and today I will be eating ice cream, medicinal ice cream. It's right here, all natural medicated ice cream. Okay, nice cream. Uh, a medicinal ice cream. It features, uh, it's called Oklahoma Road. Get your fix on Route 66. Chocolate and ice cream, toasted pecans, and vegan marshmallows made in Oklahoma. OKNiceCream.com. Uh, it contains 62.5 milligrams per four ounce serving. I have never tried this before. Uh, we are going to give this a try. Ooh, ooh this looks pretty. 
Wow. That looks very pretty. I don't know how much I should eat. I, uh, I've been worried about trying medicinal ice cream for the longest time because when I eat ice cream, I eat a lot of ice cream. So, I need to learn when to say no to ice cream. Okay, so we're going to try this again. Uh, there you go. Got some pecans and some marshmallow in there. Oh, 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 oh. Um, it's got that edible taste. You see my furrowed brow? Oh, the pecans and marshmallows help, though. So, um, I had two bites. I don't know how much of this will get me all, you know? So, maybe a big bite, and then we can sh keep checking back on me, okay? That's what we're going to do. Big bite. Big bite. There are a lot of pecans. Really like the pecans. I'm a big fan of pecans. Ooh, that taste. Mm. The pecans and the marshmallows are wonderful. The rest is a bit questionable. Okay. So, we will be back. I will see you in about an hour. Ah. Okay. It has been one hour since I have had the ice cream. Uh, I took three bites on camera. And then once I stopped the video, I had three more bites. So, uh, not really high. <laughs> um, I can feel myself starting to get a little bit high. It, I'm very mellow right now. Uh, uh, you know, a little bit dizzy, a little bit, uh, tripped out, but I'm not high. But then again, it's also only been an hour. So, okay. But I'm still functional. Uh, just a little, hey, you know, you just got off of work. It's a Friday. You're going to have a little bit and, hey, that's how I feel right now. But it's only been an hour. So let's check back in another hour. Hello. It has now been over two hours. And um, I'm moving faster than time. I only took six bites. Oh. Light is so pretty.
I think I'm gonna procrastinate a little bit more. Oh, oh, oh. Hitting up and strings without my right hand. Using my left hand, singing. I need to quit singing so I can start drinking. Here I go. Dark in the city, night is a while. Steaming the subway, the world is on fire. Woman, you won't make give me a sign. Catch my breathing even closer behind. In touch with the ground, I'm on a hot down after you. I smell like a sound, I'm lost in a crowd, and I'm hungry like I was. Cross the line, a discord and rhyme. I'm on a hunt down after you. My mouth is alive with juices and wine. And I'm hungry like a wolf. <laughs> Stuck in the forest, too close behind to be a bunny by the moonlight side. Have a drum I'm just skin so tight. You feel my heat, I'm just a moment behind. In touch with the ground. I'm on a hunt down after you. I smell like a sign. I'm lost in a pound. And I'm hungry like the world. A straddle the line. A discord and rhyme. Howling and winding after you. My mouth is alive. I'm running inside. And I'm hungry like the world. Hungry like the world.
deserves a drink. Don't mind if I do. Coming back. Coming back for next week's episode. You come back too, or burn in hell for eternity.
is beauty, and there is terror. One must not overwhelm the other. To embrace both, you need the strength of a warrior. And we're back with more of the Pope on film. Free money! Act three. Act three. I'm looking at the poster right now on Facebook, and uh, what's the name of the guy that I hate from American Pie? Chris Klein is really... Really looking uh Cajian there. Yes. That's the most Nicholas Cage Chris Klein has ever looked. Yes, he did have a a bit of a Nicholas Cage persona. <clears throat> yeah. He's but I go steal the declaration. He, he looked more like a uh like a a combination of Christian Slater and like Zachary Quinto. Ooh, Zachary Quinto. Nice. Uh, yes, Bunny, my friend. It is time once again for all of us here at the Pobon Film Podcast to casually stroll on into the third and final act of the show. And it is said third act, wherein we finally and eventually get around to discussing our totally cool hat backwards, sitting backwards in our chair, just want to rap at you about life. Movie of the week! And this week we continue our summer of bottoming with a look at the 2009 film Street Fighter, The Legend of Chun-Li. Yes. Okay, first off, the intro. Every summer, we choose a theme. We've done the summer of Star Wars, the summer of Saw, and last week we did a a Fred Willard retrospective. That was a whole lot of fun. And so this year, we are diving deep into IMDb's list of the bottom 100 worst movies of all time. And as voted on by our fans... On Twitter, last week, this week we are discussing the 2009 video game movie Street Fighter The Legend of Chun-Li, currently number 92 in the list of bad movies. And yeah, this is bad, but question, the the hardest question, is it worse than last week's film? Is it worse than Madonna in Castaway? I actually thought about this quite a bit. 
because I I feel like keeping kind of in the tradition of how we are doing this bottom 100 for me, this week's movie, I would have to give it a room uh, and one Barbin star to fix it up. But that is what I gave Swept Away, and this is a much better movie than Swept Away. You know, I, I was literally sitting there like, okay, well, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, this movie's okay, whatever. I don't know, it's just started. Let's see how long we're in here. Okay, check. Okay, 15 minutes. I'm not screaming yet, so. And then I started watching yeah. the movie again, and then I would, I would go, you know, okay, I'm really not seeing anything terribly, terribly wrong here. You know, so I checked yeah. back again, like 30 minutes. Yeah, I'm still not screaming or offended or anything else that swept away fucking did to me. I, like, I felt held hostage to that fucking movie. I you couldn't know? watch it in one second to take shifts. And then at 30 minutes, it was just like, you know, this is still better swept away, but like, I just don't care about this movie. Yeah. You know? So, because of that, I am I am retroactively changing my rating on Swept Away to Two Rooms and a Barb and Star. Okay, well, first off, um, as we like to do, I was trying to think, how could you work Barb and Star into this movie? This is a difficult movie to work Barb and Star in. But I can 100% see the scene where they're at the nightclub and you see all the women dancing and then uh, Chun-Li walks in with her bow, with her uh, buns, like in the video game. And then behind her are, are Barb and Star. And they're like, oh, look at that dancing. Oh, pole dancing. I hear a lot of uh, women do that. Should we try it? And then you see girl in a bikini grinding, girl in a bikini grinding, and then woman in culottes dancing. Yes. And I can perfectly see that entire scene yes. of them trying to dance on the pole. That would be hilarious. So, like, for the most part, I found this movie was just bland. Yeah. Like, it just never grabbed my attention. And yeah. frankly, the story was flat enough. You didn't have to pay much attention to it. The story was generic. The story yeah. was a story that that I have heard a million times before. And then the cast was definitely the cast they could afford. Okay, yeah. so Lana Lang from CW is fighting against a poor man's Graham Norton. Yeah. So, so okay, here is exactly, you know, see, again, the room has heart, you know, as yeah. a movie, Tommy Wiseau loved the room, and you can see it when you watch the movie, you can see it, and you can also see that Tommy Wiseau loves Tommy Wiseau, you can see that as well when he watched the room, you know? When you watch something like this, this is exactly a movie made by George Weiss, right? From Ed Wood. Am I getting his name right? Where it's like, okay, 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 look. I need a Street Fighter sequel. Make sure it's at least five reels. 
give it a decent ending and some decent act and some decent action. All right, well, uh, go. It's it's funny. It's funny you should mention that because in my mind I thought I went uh, uh, what's his name, a little shop of horrors, Roger Corman. I yeah. went look if we don't make a movie by June. We lose the rights to Street Fighter. Make something? I don't care how what it is. Well, let's face facts. We can easily pop Roger Corman directly into that same role. Yeah. And it would still work. Yeah. Roger Corman is that same guy. But anyway, yeah, definitely the, the same idea. You know, and yeah. that's what we got. A very generic movie. That just doesn't get your attention. At all. At all. And, it, I mean, it's bland. It's just a solid meh. The whole movie yeah. is just a solid meh. Nobody yeah. cared about this movie. Not even the people acting in this movie cared about this movie. Okay, you know, so it's funny you This movie that. is going to grow up, okay, kill a bunch of younglings with his lightsaber, and become Darth Vader. That is the future of this movie because nobody ever loved it as a child. Yeah, pretty much. It's funny you should mention that because there's not a lot of info about the making of this film. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of info about exactly how this movie got made. But you know what there is a lot of information about? The twisted sex cult that the movie star was a part of. Really? Oh! Uh, it's time to do a sort of mini shap uh, about an organization known as NXIVM, which the members of the cult pronounced Nexium. Okay. Its founder, a man named Keith Rainier. Okay. Rainier is currently serving a sentence of de facto life in prison without parole at the United States Penitentiary in Tucson, Arizona, which is a double sentence because not only does he have to live in jail for the rest of his life, but he also has to live in Tucson. Okay. So it's sort of double sentence because no one wants to live in Tucson. No. I mean, movie about it. It's called Hamlet 2 and it is funny. So uh, Keith Rainier was born to well-off parents in New York City and according to his former girlfriend, he grew up with a god complex believing that he was superior and better than everyone else like a deity. Nothing suspicious there. Okay. So we can... He would also date multiple women, and his mom was once uh, uh, once recounted that uh, his son, Keith Rainier, would be on the phone to each girl, telling each one, oh, I love you. You're the only one for me. I only have eyes for you. You're the special one. You're, you're the chosen one. We were meant to be together. No one else. And he would tell all of his girlfriends that, gee, I wonder if this will come into play later. Probably not. Let's move on. Anyway, um, uh, Keith Rainier grows up and he's selling Amway, which, ew. Okay. 
Amway. Your local Amway salesman. Yes. Amway. Uh, Keith Rainier becomes obsessed with both Amway's multi-level marketing style and Scientology. Oh. You can see where this is going. So in 1990, Keith Rainier starts his own company, a multi-level marketing company called Consumers Byline. So this is what we are. Uh, we here at uh, Consumers Byline are a multi-level marketing company, a discount buying club. You sign up for us, and we save you money. Here's how. We purchase things in bulk and sell it to you for a discount, but you have to be a member. So really, by giving us money every month and becoming a member, you're actually saving money. Plus, in our uh, discount buying club, you can make money by signing up more and more people to the company. So it's a win-win for you. Consumers byline. Call us now. That's what Peter <laughs> said about his company. But after a massive 20-state investigation, the New York Attorney General Robert Abrams had to say that it was an illegal multi-million dollar pyramid scheme. Okay. It signed up over 200,000 members across the nation giving him money, and then he would uh, make them buy products. And instead of sending Keith Rainier to jail... They made him sign a consent order. I've never heard of this before. I'm just assuming this is the sort of shit that white people get away with when they're when they have money. Yeah. But they made him sign a consent order where he didn't admit to any guilt at all, but agreed to pay, I don't know, $400,000 in fines and promised to never again make another pyramid scheme. I promise. <laughs> so in 1994, he did it again. This time, his company was called the National Health Network, and they were selling phony health pills. Okay. Like uh, like we're in the good place or something. But that one, he, he didn't get in trouble for that one, mainly because this uh, pyramid scheme wasn't at all successful. He made no money for it. So in the late 90s, Keith Rainier says, okay, if I'm going to do this pyramid scheme thing again, I'm going balls out. Okay. Bunny, do you know what neuro-linguistic programming is? Uh, I mean, I could probably pull it apart by the words. No, I'm going to go no. Basically, like layman's terms, the, the complete idiot's guide to neuro-linguistic programming. Honey, can you explain what neuro-linguistic programming is? Because you've suddenly magically appeared... With a big smile on your face, tits first. No, but I'm I I'm I have a hard time understanding it. So can you help us out a little bit? What is your point? Basically, it's a way to manipulate a person's thoughts and behaviors using language, like how Scientologists have their own secret hidden language of the org and the Thetans and the Hill and etc. You create your own language and can use that to manipulate people's thoughts and actions. Not necessarily. Okay. Okay. 
Okay. You don't create your own language, but what you're doing is you're pairing something. It's like, it's basically ABA therapy. What you're doing is you're pairing an action with a word or a touch. And then later, like if I were to say, Oh, there's a leverage clip you can pull up. They explain okay. it wonderfully. Um, Sophie is sitting there, they're talking, they're talking, and um, Christian Kane's character, okay. he he's pouring her tea, and like she'll touch him in one spot, and uh, and like, oh, thank you, um, Parker, Elliot, Elliot, thank you, Elliot, and then um, she'll like make a movement. And then he'll put sugar in her tea or whatever. And so it's it's neurolinguistic programming is brainwashing. Yeah. Essentially. Because if I touch you here and I had programmed you, if I touch you here to, I don't know, pick up something or go get water. It's uh, like that one um Pavlov's dog. Yeah. 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 This is a really good way to explain it. So yeah, yeah. So glad you appeared because I was. Having I heard a hard you. Time I with heard it. you. And I, I was, was like, having a hard time with it. <gasps> this was the one roadblock in my mini shaft. Well, this is this Blame is why ball. this is why I had never particularly felt that the Bene Gesserit power of voice in Dune was really a psychic power. It was just something that. I mean, it's science fiction. I'm not saying we could really do it, but like, it comes from someplace real, you know, where yeah. words touch all that actually matters. Yeah. So, so basically, our man Keith Rainier gets a pot and he puts in Scientology, neurolis, neurolinguistic programming. Anne Rand. He's a big fan of Anne Rand. That's a big oh. one. And his multi-level marketing schemes. He puts all of that in a pot. He sets it to boil. He stirs it up really good. And he comes up with a new company called the Executive Success Program. Okay. Hi, Rainier. I'm the CEO of the Executive Success Program. And the goal of the company was they would offer lengthy self-help deprogramming to uh, rich people. Heiresses, powerful CEOs, uh, trust fund babies, and uh, kind of important here, easily influenced, low self-esteem Hollywood actors and actresses. Yeah. So this was very successful. And a few years in, he changes the name of his company from the Executive Success Program to NXIVM, which they pronounced Nexium. And uh, uh, Keith Rainier adopts the title of Vanguard. <laughs> Everyone must call me Vanguard. That is my name and position in Nexium. Yes. I can help you achieve greatness. Society has programmed you to believe in its wrongness. But through me and my Vanguard system, I can deprogram you and help you uncover the success within. Yes. Like real Scientology sounding shit. In 20, um, basically, imagine Scientology if L. Ron Hubbard 
All he wanted was a harem. Yes. That's basically Nexium. In 2017, the first reports surfaced that... In 2014, 2012, 2015, some reports started coming out about, oh, you know this company that uh, helps rich people and celebrities and stuff? Some people liken it to a cult, and the Forbes magazine has a cover with him on the cover and they're interviewing him and it's all a big success and they're interviewing people who are very successful with it and then they interview someone who's like oh i got out of it it's really scary it's like a cult and forbes is like oh that's so funny and the guy's like no it's a real cult this is this is dangerous and forbes is like we're gonna interview keith tomorrow okay okay i need to interrupt Okay, I yes, most certainly this is a cult. Sounds like a cult. But, you know, damn it, it gives me nostalgia. You know? Yeah. yeah. A good old-fashioned rich person's cult. You know? Like Ramtha. You know? Like, like Ramtha is just not for anybody. She's going for the big fucking money, you know? Yeah. So she makes it all prestigious. Or like Est, way back in the day, or other things like that. These cults that, like, kind of of cloak themselves as, like, self-help groups. Yeah. And kind of things like that. That's That's what this is reminding me of quite a bit. Yeah, a lot of that. A lot of that is this. In 2017, the first reports surfaced that within Nexium, there was a secret society of women called DOS. And so DOS was the secret inner circle of the Vanguard's personal sex slaves. Okay. There were brainwashed women that he, uh, Keith Rainier owned. Yeah. And Vanguard himself would brand the women. And when I say that, I don't mean, oh, you are a member of the cult now. Uh, Gaba Gaba, one of us. No, he had a fucking branding iron. And would brand the women whose sole job was to follow him around and fuck him. God damn. Okay. And fail much? <laughs> Crazy ass shit. The New York Times wrote about DOS and the branding, and so uh, Keith Rainier fled to Mexico fearing his arrest with, uh, with his group of DOS women. And also, uh, some other reports surfaced. They weren't able to officially pin him, but suddenly this one woman disappears, this one woman is killed, and there's a suspicious note around her body. This other woman says, oh, he raped me. This other woman came out, said he raped me. The Forbes magazine cover was uh, entitled The Cult of Personality. And so Keith Rainier is like, shit, I need to, I need to change my appearance. I need to... I need to uh, win people over. He spends $2 million seeking the endorsement of the Dalai Lama. Okay. And the Dalai Lama traveled to Albany, New York to give him a talk. This is before uh, Vanguard fled to Mexico. Um, 
During the event, the Dalai Lama himself in 2009 presented Rainier with a white scarf on stage. Is that like Dobby getting the sock? <laughs> it was later revealed that the Dalai Lama's gatekeepers was a woman named Sarah Bromfman, and she was a monk. And uh, so why was uh, Vanguard allowed access to this cult leader? Well, eventually it was learned that the gatekeeper to the Dalai Lama, who was a monk and had taken a vow of celibacy, was fucking another Lama. Okay. And so eventually she was kicked out and apparently she was corrupt and 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 she was like skimming money and, and So there was a lot of llama on llama action going on there. Yeah. 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 So uh there's allegations of sexual slavery and branding and uh a longtime partner of Rainier, a woman named Kristen uh, left the organization and said uh, started allegating really horrible stuff and they started investigating Keith Rainier and so they arrested him in Mexico in 2018 during an orgy with his, uh, with his group of sex slaves and he was basically found uh, arrested and found guilty of Let's just say everything. Yeah. Sexual exploitation of a child, the possession of child pornography, sex trafficking, attempted sex trafficking, identity theft, like five or six counts of identity theft, conspiracy to alter records for used in an official proceeding, yada, yada, yada. Uh, and also, but they weren't able to tie him to any of the deaths. There were a few suspicious circumstances. A few women died of suspicious circumstances, but he has yet to be tied to any of those. Well, a number of low self-esteem, easy-to-manipulate people joined this group, including actors and actresses, and, and very uh, powerful, famous people. One of the big breaks to this group becoming successful is um, he recruited members of the Bronfman family who were heirs to the Seagram's fortune. Okay. And apparently they were super powerful at the time. And so that was a big uh, like feather in his cap. Also, there were a number of actors and actresses who were a part of Nixium, including but not limited to Stargate SG-1 actress Sarah Edmondson, Battlestar Galactica actress Nikki Klein, N-I-C-K-I, okay. and a fun fact about... Uh, Battlestar Galactica actress Nikki Klein, she was married to actress Allison Mack, who played Chloe in Smallville for 10 seasons and was also second in command of the whole fucking cult. <laughs> okay. Launch it for 
from Smallville, the only person I cared about on the damn show. She played this plucky reporter in, I don't know, Smallville High. I never really watched the fucking show. But she was so funny and was so charismatic that she they 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 got her character and they Harley Quinned it. Because this was an original character that was written for Smallville, but she did it so good they made her character an actual character in the star in the Superman universe. Really? Yes. Yeah, it's the exact same thing with Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn was created just for yeah. that animated series and did so good that she exploded. Now she gets her own movie. So now Chloe is in the DC universe, despite the fact that she was played by the second in command of a fucking sex cult. Yeah. That is insane. Uh, yeah. So, so Allison Mack was arrested with Keith Rainier and she, her job in Nixium was recruiting women and like, oh, so you're an actress. I know how hard it is, you know, after uh, uh, Smallville ended. I didn't know what to do with my career. And then I found this organization. It's called Nexium, and they help people achieve success. And it really did wonders for me. And uh, you should really join. It's really great. And maybe later I can convince you. Maybe later Vanguard can use neuro-linguistic programming to break you down so that he entirely controls you. And then we'll be branding you and you'll be a sex slave. Yeah. So she was in charge of recruiting women, and guess who one of them was? The star of Street Fighter, the legend of Chun-Li star Kristen Kruk, who played Lana on Smallville, and she left Smallville to do this fucking movie. Oh, <laughs> What a great decision! Oh, for you and Chris Klein. That's why we see Taboo from the Black Eyed Peas in every movie. So that was that was uh that was the the leader of the Spiderweb guys. Who? Who are you talking about, right? The guy from Smallville. Oh, no, the girl from Smallville. Oh, I thought you said a guy as well. I'm sorry. My misunderstanding. No, no, yes. No, no, no. Uh, Kristen Kruk. It must be difficult to have a Klingon last name. Kristen And was she Chun-Li? She played Chun-Li. And she was in the sex cult. Now, I, I need to say that uh, Kristen Claims that she only took a few courses in Nexium and never witnessed anything illegal. But I personally think that's a load of Dingo's kidneys. Okay. Because her best friend and co-star, Allison Mack, was the sex cult second-in-command. And Allison Mack's wife, Nikki, from Battlestar Galactica, she was in charge of DOS. Yeah. She was... So Allison Mack would recruit people, and then Allison Mack's wife was the head of the sex slaves. So there is, in my mind, Chun Li definitely knows more than she's letting on. Yes. Oh God. Yes. How how the fuck can you be second in command 
of something like that and plead innocence. Yeah, it's amazing to 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 think that like okay, yes, I was in the sex cult, but I never saw anything bad happen. Like, no. oh, fuck off. Yeah. Fuck off, Emily. You know more than you have said. That is my own personal opinion. I have no facts to back this up, except for uh, my own common sense. Chun-Li knows more than she's letting on. Okay, uh, so I can accept that. So that's the sex cult stuff. Um, I guess we have to talk about the movie. <laughs> the sex cult stuff is so much more fun to talk about yes. than the actual movie. The sex cult stuff's more exciting, you know? Yes. Bunny, um, I'm sorry to have to do this. <laughs> um, can you explain the plot of this week's movie? And silence. I'll give it a whirl. Okay, so... Ooh, okay. Uh, she is a young girl of privilege. Uh, who basically only got to spend time with her dad when they were doing kung fu in the yard. Yeah. Uh, I forget the actual style. It was like woo-woo or something like that, or woo-woo-woo-jun, or I don't know. It was John Woo style. I, I don't know. Uh, and he is a big businessman. Other big businessmen break into his house and take him to do things. Yeah. Bad things. Okay. Uh, Michael Clark Duncan was on the bad guy's side. So we're talking about very bad things they want him to do. And he does them because they're threatening to kill his child who grows up to be a great pianist and things like that. And then basically throws her, like one day she just wakes up and says, I'm going to throw my life away to find my father now. You know? So she ditches the whole pianist thing to basically kind of become a ninja. Basically. In her travels, she keeps seeing people with this web design on their hands. And it turns out they're the good guys, I guess, and it's led by a cult leader, basically. You know, if if you're running the web hand guys gang, that's basically a cult, I would think. So, so Chun-Li is acting within her element, I guess we would have to say. Yes, very uh, much so. Uh, so, she gets involved with him, and he starts teaching her the, the secret battle ways or whatever. Look, there was a training sequence, okay? <laughs> That's all I could really tell you. Bit of a montage. Uh, Around! And then they fight the bad guys at the end, and, and they win. That's basically it. Yeah. I was really upset when the explosion happened and the Kung Fu Master died, because it's like, damn it! You can't kill the only person who actually knows Kung Fu in this movie. Yeah. 
I mean, this this is why the movie, like, like it's so generic of a plot that that is why this movie is just not interesting. Yeah, so, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing personal about any of them. It's extremely cookie cutter. Yeah. And let me tell you, I am, I am rather upset about the amount of fights that actually took oh place in streets. And I'm including docks as streets, okay? Yeah, this is Street Fighter, not Dark Alley Fighter. No, no, I'm accepting Dark Alleys too, but like... I'm not. But like, we had, we had, we had fighting in the backyard, fighting on a roof, fighting in a bathroom, you know, just Fighting in in all of these these indoor places that are clearly clearly not a street. Yeah. So when I would see them fighting in an alley, I'm like, I'm counting that. Uh, I don't, I'm not counting that. Okay. No. First off, if you're gonna make a Street Fighter movie, you have to give it good fight scenes. Yes. The fight that they kept building up towards between uh, Vega, who is the guy with the claws, the Wolverine guy, and uh, Chun-Li, that was like 40 seconds. Yeah. That was like 40 seconds of a fight, That and that's just sad. Like, I can't point to any actual fights in this movie that I can recall at all. Yes. And that the fun. the end of the movie, I was very much wondering where the fuck were all of the other web hand guys that this guy is the leader of. I'm assuming that um they were probably called by the crazy eighty eight. Yes, possibly. Go help them and also maybe like the foot clan somewhere. Yeah. Needed some more people. Yeah. Secondly, uh, they, would, the game, they would just have they would just have tattoos of fungus. <laughs> Secondly, I hate to be that guy, but in the game, Chun Li is a Chinese martial arts master avenging the death of her father, and not a piano playing music virtuoso played by a Canadian woman from Vancouver who only has a purple belt. Yes. I saw an article about the movie and I saw that she was a purple belt. And I, I'm like, what is a purple belt? I need to figure out what this actually is. So I looked it up and a purple belt is a beginner's belt where, hey, you're doing good. Now uh, now that you've earned the purple belt, we're going to teach you how to move. Okay. So um, – Call me crazy, but if you're going to make a martial arts film about one of the first ever real female fighters in the history of fighting video games, maybe get someone who can actually fight. (laughs) So this movie, and that brings me to the third point. This movie reeks of here's everyone we could afford. (coughs) Yeah. You know, so there's Lana Lang, there's an <coughs> from American Pie movies, 
There's lo- the long-haired guy no one remembers from the Black-Eyed Peas. He plays Vega. Okay. I love that because the Black-Eyed Peas were Fergie, Will I Am, and The Rest. And The Rest is a black one and a guy with extremely long hair. And they got the guy with extremely long hair from... Uh, the Black Eyed Peas, and I think that's hilarious. And Michael Clark Duncan, three years before his death. Yes, I did actually have to look it up to make sure that this movie didn't kill him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was concerned. Yeah. Oh, and also uh, Liu Kang from the original Mortal Kombat movies plays Jen, the master of both Kung Fu an exposition. Okay. Um, Jean-Claude Van Damme was asked to reprise his role as Guile from 1994's Street Fighter, but he turned it down, which was a shock to me because I wasn't aware that Jean-Claude Van Damme was capable of turning down any film. That's exactly it. I mean, once... You've got to know that you're in trouble when Jean-Claude Van Damme turns down a part in your movie. Like, so the movies you made, then what have you been turning down, you know? Like, that is shocking to me. That's like hearing modern-day Nicolas Cage say, I don't think so. That's not up to the level of a Nicolas Cage film. Like, that's something he hasn't said since leaving Las Vegas. Um, I, and I mentioned this earlier in the podcast. I especially hated American Pie actor Chris Klein, who plays some generic uh, agent trying to track down M. Bison, because he's got that TV cop voice. Yeah. My name's Frank. I'm a detective. And I've been sent here to track the criminal. And and like he does that during the entire film. He's got resting NCIS voice. Yes. Yes, he and does. And I hate it. Now, it, it, and we mentioned this before, we mentioned it before, but the movie isn't all that bad. It's not a bad film. It's just fucking boring. Yeah, no, nothing special happens here. Nothing yeah. unexpected happens here. And, and, and there are certainly nits to pick about the movie itself. I mean, clearly, if you want to stop a fight, regardless of how well you personally are doing in the fight, the fight will end when an albino white guy enters the room. Yeah. Yeah. How many fights were stopped just because he showed up? Yeah. <laughs> you know? like and then, Why and isn't then somebody sort of working like, their way to kicking his ass? And then there's the lazy writing of like, oh, the guy from American Pie shows up. What are you doing here? Oh, I'm trying to track down the Shadow Clan. And then the FBI agent, police officer, whatever the fuck says, oh, the Shadow Clan? There's a, they're a myth. But they're not a myth enough 
for Chun Li to just go to a internet cafe and press the on button and have all of their information magically pop up on the computer screen. Yes. Yes. And it's one of those movies where it's like, you're going to tell me everything. I ain't telling you nothing. Okay, well, I'm going to lightly twist your arm. Ow! Okay, okay, I'll talk, I'll talk. There's a big shipment coming in Thursday on the 7th dock. It's boat number 814. They'll be arriving at 914 a.m. It's a bunch of things. Let me give you a listing of everything. Like, 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 shut the fuck up. Like, like, if anything, I hate this movie more because it's not bad like The Room or Birdemic, but it's worse. It's just boring and lazy, and it takes forever for anything to happen. And it's as if the filmmakers know that they couldn't afford actual people who know martial arts. And so... Is a a fighting film that is trying its hardest to avoid showing any fucking fights. Yeah, yeah. We establish... Can't fucking fight for shit. We establish that she is a badass because her dad is a badass. Her dad did almost take out Michael Clark Duncan until an albino white guy came into the room. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So that gives me a problem later on when she is captive and sees her dad again that now we have two, two badass kung fu masters in the same room at the same time and they do nothing to prevent the albino guy from snapping her dad's neck. Yeah. Yeah. So there's hardly any fighting in a film called Street Fighter. See, I, I hate to do this. I hate to do this. I, 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 I hate myself saying this. Jean-Claude Van Damme and Raul Julia's 1994 film Street Fighter? Yeah, that shit, but it was fun shit. Yeah, yeah, I, I've never seen it. I, like, always kind of meant to, you know, it's but it's fucking Ron, Ron Julia is in it. I loved him. It's fucking dumb in a fun-ass way that you have fun watching and laughing at. At least it captures your attention. Yes, it's shit, but it's fun shit. But this movie is boring, and it's dull, and nothing's happening, and it's badly written, and the plot is generic as fuck. It's just lame. The acting isn't very good. The narration is unbearable. The whole movie is just a yawn. Essentially, this film is the Rogue One of Street Fighter because their plan was, let's make a Street Fighter movie. No, people really hated that Jean-Claude Van Damme Street Fighter movie. So if we're going to do a Street Fighter movie, we need to do it different. 
here's my idea. Let's make a whole series of Street Fighter standalone films. Each film will dive deep into the backstory of these characters. And the idea was all of these movies will no doubt be a hit, which will then eventually have the film where they all come together. And that will be the big Street Fighter movie like the Avengers. Yeah. This movie costs $18 million to make. And then with worldwide advertising, and they did a big blitz for this, it, it, they spent about $50 million making this film. And it only made worldwide a total of $12 million. So this movie flopped so bad that they canceled all the other standalone sequels, which is why we won't get a Solo 2. Solo <laughs> was a good movie. I, I know, and, and I don't know why it's the one that always gets panned. I mean, yeah. it wasn't a great movie, but it felt more like like a Star Wars movie to me. Yeah. You know, where so, it was fun, yeah. and there was action, and there was wisecracking, and I loved the goddamn robot in that movie, you know? Yeah, and the guy doing, doing Han Solo, he did a good job. He did a good job. He wasn't Han Solo, but he, he wasn't Harrison Ford, but I could see him as Han Solo. He did a good job. Would uh, it work so simple? Yeah, I mean, I mean, as far as all the Star Wars movies go, except for the wholly original th trilogy, of course, yeah. Solo's my favorite. I'd rather watch Rogue One and Solo than have to watch any of the three trilogy-centric movies. Yeah. Yeah. So they were already working on sequels to Street Fighter The Legend of Chun-Li, which would have focused on Ken and Ryu. Yeah. Ryu? Ryu? Um, I imagine that if they did make those movies, knowing the type of actors they could afford, that what we missed out is Jason Biggs and Tara Reid starring in Street Fighter 2, The Legend of Ryu. And then here's my favorite one, the third film, James, Bander, James Vanderbeek versus The Big Show in Street Fighter 3, The Legend of Ken. I can 100% okay. all of those movies. James Vanderbeek versus The Big Show. Like in like in 2010, that's probably who they could afford. Yeah. Oh, and then of course, they, the fourth one, Danny DeVito with green skin, Street Fighter 4, The Legend of Blanca. That's the monster one that shocks people, just to let you know. Um, oh, okay. Casting, but... Anyway, this isn't bad. It's just fucking boring. I was hoping... I know we're only two in. Yeah. I know... Oh, the pen in my hair fell out. Oh, well. I know that we're only two movies in to our summer of the IMDb Bottom 100, but I was hoping that all of the movies on the list would be more dumb fun, like, yeah. like uh, The Room... And stuff like that, but... Well, we may yet. We'll see. Superman 4. For the love guru. And what was the other one? 
Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Any one of them has 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 a great possibility of providing at least some fun, fun, stupid. Yeah. Funny, can you still hear and see me right now? I can. Okay, because my screen has gone blank, so that's exciting. But we'll oh. worry about that later. We're 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 about to wrap up. But this is but this this is a kung fu movie with more piano playing and lesbian dance offs than actual kung fu fighting, which is why Carl Douglas was a liar. Hardly anyone was kung fu fighting in this. Okay. Yes. Carl Douglas was a lying bastard. And I'm a, Do you know Graham Norton? Uh yeah, he uh he's a British talk show host. The host of the Graham Norton show. Yeah. Uh, the actor who plays M Bison is a spitting image for gay British talk show host Graham Norton. Except this guy was in the movie Ravenous. Yes, and uh, Band of Brothers. Was he in Band of Brothers? Yeah, 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 that sounds familiar. I never watched and, that. Like everybody was in Band of Brothers, but he was in Band of Brothers. But I, it, like I told Natasha that, and she's like, I don't know who either of those people are. So I got a picture of M. Bison from the movie, and I got a picture of Graham Norton, and she said, yeah, that's the exact same person. And it's like, yeah. that's weird. It's weird that they made the bad guy, because in the video games, he's, like, dressed as, like, a Russian, like, captain, and he's got a big, huge, massive hat and this big coat, and he's these, this big, burly, violent guy. But in this, he's just Graham Norton. Like, why did you make him look like Graham Norton? He's the final boss. Yeah. You get a Doctor Doom... Or a Bowser and not the host of the Graham Norton show. I just found the whole thing weird. But um, I wanted to end this discussion with a weird fun fact. So I've got a fun fact for you. Okay. So two characters in this movie. M. Bison, the bad guy, the boss. And then there's also uh, Michael Clark Duncan. His character's name is Balrog. Yes. So... Um, in when you play the game Street Fighter and Street Fighter Two, then yeah, um, M Bison, big burly guy, the evil bad guy, the final boss, and then Balrog is a black boxer, and he has boxing trunks and he has boxing gloves, and he can knock you out with one punch. He's super strong. Um, so fun fact about Street Fighter. In the original Japanese game, the boss is named Balrog. And the boxer, the American boxer, who's black, yeah. and walk someone out with one punch. And this is America in the early 90s. If you see where we're going here. Yeah. His name was uh, Mike Bison. Okay. I find this hilarious. But yeah, the boxer's name was Mike Bison. So when they decided to release Street Fighter 2 in America, 
the Japanese company Capcom is like, oh, we're going to get fucking sued <laughs> for Mike Bison. So they said, okay, how about this? We'll change it to M. Bison. M standing for Mike. Is that legal enough? And they said, no, that's still not legal enough. Fuck. How about this? We'll switch some names. Okay. So we'll make the boss Mike Bison, and the boxer can be named Balrog. And that caught on. And now, even in Japan, people know. I imagine, I imagine that when the Raul Julia film did come out, they're like, wait a second. Why is the boxer not Mike Bison? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's always it's weird in this movie seeing Balrog the black guy and M Bison the evil boss of the whatever Foot Clan and it's like ah, the black guy's supposed to be Mike Bison. That's hilarious. <laughs> Another fun fact in the game, you actually despite what this movie would have you believe um, Balrog, the giant, massive, punishing boxer, cannot be defeated with a few watermelons. Okay. Yeah. yeah. There's actually no watermelon throwing in the entire Street Fighter series. I know this must come <laughs> as a shock to you, Bunny, but there is no watermelon throwing. Yeah. Sorry. So that's all I have this week. Um, this movie sucks. It does suck. So again, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a room, and okay. I, I'm I, and this scale is going to adjust. It just has to. We've never done yes. this before. Uh, yeah. maybe two rooms. I mean, it it literally just had no heart. Yeah. It had no soul. It was kind of like when you see a craft beer in the 7-Eleven or something like that, and you get home and you, it just tastes completely processed. Yeah. Like this is a fake craft beer like Miller's Red Dog or whatever it was. Yeah. That's what this movie was. It's just boring, which is the worst thing a movie can be. Yes. Yeah, it's just boring. Okay, so, Bunny, I have the results here of our poll. Okay. Uh, this week we got twice as many votes as last week. Nice. So Keep it coming, people. The final results are uh, with 19% Superman IV, the quest for peace. Uh, in second place, real surprising, is The Love Guru. Unfortunately, next week we will be watching the live-action Dungeons & Dragons movie! Okay. I already have uh, uh, the podcast Psychotronic Cinema. The head of Psychotronic Cinema wants to come on the podcast and talk about this week's uh, next week's movie. Really? Yeah. Yeah, he wrote on the bottom of the poll, I'll come and talk Dungeons and Dragons. I 
am a huge fan of Dungeons and Dragons. I've been a fan of Dungeons and Dragons a long time. I am really good at it. I make the most money. A lot of people don't purchase Baltic Avenue, but really, yeah. that's where the money is because it's so cheap to purchase Baltic Avenue. That's where you put your hotels in. Yeah. Oh I yeah. I am good at Dungeons and Dragons. The first thing I do is I buy up all the railroads. Yeah. That's the first thing I do, and it's so good. It's I, I am so good at Dungeons and Dragons. Hi. Hi. So next week we're doing. Dungeons I and always Dragons. yes. The first two per purchases I always wanted to make were those two. What we would call the slums of the Monopoly board. Yeah. Then my next objective was always. Not Boardwalk and Park Place, but I wanted to catch the corner before it. Yes. Yes. With the yellow ones and the red ones. No, the yeah. yellow ones and the green ones. Yeah. I forget. It's been a while. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, so next week we're watching Dungeons and Dragons. I don't think that's a Uwe, Uwe Bowl film. Not uh, that I know of. But I've never seen it before, so that'll be exciting. I'm going to pre-guess. I'm going to pre-guess that it's going to be much like this, where it's like, meh, kind of serviceable. Nothing special. fun bad. That's what I was hoping that a lot of these movies would be, would be that sort of fun bad movie. Yeah. Where it's like, hey, let's gather everybody together, let's have a few beers, and we'll watch fucking Birdemic. But so far, these have all been different types of slogs. I think we have to get higher in the list to start hitting the true trash. Yeah. But next week, Dungeons and Dragons. Be sure and uh, listen to that. We will also have a shop, a shap about... Uh, a famous band that everyone loves and how they're kind of sort of racist. Okay. So that'll be exciting. And we will be talking next week about the live-action Loki series. Uh, I'll be doing some spoilers for that. That's going to be fun. But that's next week. Now that we're... Uh, get out of here, Dougie. Now that we're talking, now that we're done with this week, the highs, the lows, the ups, the downs, the sex cult, the singing nun... Uh, WWE getting censored. I um, Dunkin' Donuts managers are killing people. Yes, but they did sort of deserve it. I gotta say, I think this has been a good episode. This has been a damn good episode. Okay, good. I felt the same way, but I I didn't wanna. Ooh, my hair looks incredible right now. Wow. I got I got I'm in a music video. <laughs> I I am in I'm I'm in girls just want to have fun right now is where I am. That is beautiful. Uh I gotta say, I think this has been no, you cannot have these. These are moms. I gotta say, I think this has been a pretty good episode of the podcast. This has been a damn good episode of the podcast. I felt I feel the same way, but I didn't want to step on your toes because you're the person who makes that distinction as to whether or not it was a damn. 
Uh, but and I didn't want to infringe on your part of the show. But yes, I concur with your assessment, good sir. So until next week, I am Bunny Williams. And I am Reverend Stephen. on behalf of Natasha and Eleanor and Maxwell and everybody else, I just want to say thanks for listening. And we will see you next week, you godless heathens. And you wiggly tooth. Are you trying to show off your uh, tooth that's about to come out? Is that what you're doing? Yeah, it came out today. I support this. Nice. Maxwell lost a tooth. I just woke up on the couch and then opened my mouth and it just falls out. Yeah, Maxwell lost a tooth. The police are baffled. (laughs) You Donald Trump's? Yeah. Oh, nice. Good one, Eleanor. Do 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 do. Cut and print. Cut and print.